Section 4b of Bible Defense of Slavery by Josiah Priest. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. That an Ethiopian was black is stated by Jeremiah chapter 13 verse 23 as follows. Can the Ethiopian change his skin or the leopard his spots? Which was the same as if he had said, can a black man change his skin or a leopard his spots as the word ethiopian was one of the words in the hebrew for that which was black from this statement of jeremiah as well as from all the other evidences we learn that the whole race of ham the egyptians the libyans the ethiopians and the canaanites were all so many black nations the prophet even makes use of this fact, the blackness of the Ethiopian skin, as an emblem of the depravity and wickedness of the Jews, which, he insinuates, they could not change, because they had become so accustomed to do evil, any more than the Ethiopian could change the blackness of his person. Thus we have, as we believe, made out that there was in the very outset of time after the flood a race of black people who were made thus not by climate or any other accident or contingency but by the arbitrary power of god to suit his own pleasure in carrying out his designs respecting the people of the globe the genuine cushite says richard watson was woolly-headed Historical Dictionary, page 282. This being a fact, proves the races of the other Negro brothers to have been of the same character as a people, and yet for a certain reason, of which we shall speak hereafter, from the same people straight-haired black men were produced. Possibly, by this time, it may be imagined that so much labor bestowed to prove that an Ethiopian is black, is not called for, as all men know they are. To this we reply that the question is not whether an Ethiopian is black at the present time, but whether they were anciently so, as there are many who believe that the black nations of the earth have become thus by the force of circumstances such as climate, food, manner of living, etc. Such persons hold that the people now called Africans were anciently the same as the people of Shem and Japheth, whatever their complexions were. But we think we have abundantly shown the entire contrary. If this were not true, it would be impossible to understand a very remarkable prophecy of Noah and equally impossible to learn where to apply that prophecy and whether it had been or is yet to be fulfilled which relates to the descendants of ham of which in its place we shall give all due attention if the three sons of noah were all of one complexion and their posterities the same for many ages or till the climates had time to make some white some red and some black it would be impossible to know the races apart as some of the descendants of shem may have been changed into negroes 
and some of the race of Ham, may have been made into white or red men. And thus, by the operation of the climates, a state of irretrievable confusion been produced, as to the identities of the respective races. From this view, it is not difficult to see that the extraordinary prophecies of Noah, respecting the races of his three sons, is of necessity defeated, and rendered impossible to be traced, or investigated in relation to their being fulfilled, and thus the veracity of God thrown back into the mystery of his acts, which have never been revealed. Such is one of the horrible results of the climate argument, in relation to the complexions of the human race. It is, therefore, highly important to find out who the race and descendants of Ham are, so as to know where to apply the foreknowledge of God, as expressed by Noah, Genesis chapter 9, verses 25 through 27, in relation to that race, as well as to the others. On this account, we shall pursue the subject a little further, and but a little, lest we may weary the reader with too much of one thing that the egyptians were the aboriginal people of egypt is maintained with considerable labor by herodotus as well as josephus who says that menes was their first king and the man who built memphis the first and eldest city of egypt he says that when this menace with his company came to the vale of the nile in africa that the whole country was one entire bog, except a place where Thebes was afterward built, which was higher ground. Of this there can be no doubt, when it is remembered that every year the Nile overflowed the whole valley of Egypt, which extended in length some hundreds of miles, and was on the average about fifty miles wide. Now, as this immense alluvial was thickly overgrown with trees, grass, and herbage, which had been accumulating from the subsiding of the flood, unchecked or removed, there is no reason why it should not have been, as Herodotus says it was, a continued bog, the waters of which had never been drained off by ditches and canals, as it afterward was by the first settlers and their posterity. Herodotus also says that the Egyptians maintained that they themselves were the most ancient people of the human race, and that from them even the Greeks borrowed their knowledge of the gods. See that author's work, Volume 1, Book 2, pages 173, 175, 184. Who was Menes, their first king, but Metzarim, the son of Ham? who indeed, according to Josephus, did first of all settle on the Nile in Africa, there being none before him, which would justify their holding themselves, as in after ages, to be the first of mankind in that country. Respecting the Egyptians, Herodotus says also, that Hercules was one of their gods, who was second only to Pan, the creator, himself in their estimation, and that from the Egyptians 
the Greeks borrowed a knowledge of this God. Page 204, Volume 1. This Hercules was, no doubt, the famous Nimrod, founder of the Tower of Babel, whom the Egyptians had deified, as Herodotus relates, and that his parents were Egyptians. All this the Grecian traveller learned of the Egyptians, as he knew nothing of the story of the Hebrew history as written by Moses, that work having been translated into the Grecian language not till a hundred and fifty years or so after the time of Herodotus. This pretense of the Egyptians, about their being the first people of the human race, was but a pretense arising out of a vain desire to be thus esteemed, the very thing to which several others of the ancient nations have aspired, namely the Greeks, as well as the people of China and the ancient nations of America. As to Nimrod, the hero of Babel, being the great type of all the Herculeses of the ancient nations, there can be no doubt. For the legends of every country whom have claimed him to be a god represent him as always being armed with a club of enormous size, with which he slew the monsters of the earth, dreadful serpents, wild beasts, etc. In this very character, the Bible represents him, see Genesis chapter 10, verses 8 and 9, where it is written, that he was a mighty hunter before the Lord, which the Jewish rabbis interpret of his slaying wild beasts, which at that time greatly infested the country of the Euphrates, where he lived, before he and Cush, his father, and Ham, his grandfather, went to Africa and founded Ethiopia. To find out the true origin of the god Hercules, Herodotus, the Greek, made a voyage from his own country, which was on the eastern side of the Mediterranean, near to Italy, west of Greece, to the great city of Tyre, which was on the extreme eastern end of the Mediterranean, the capital of old Phoenicia, or old Canaan. The reason why this man took so much pains on this subject was to see whether his countrymen were right in their claim of Hercules to be their own natural god and not derived from some other people. When he had arrived there, he soon found in the city of Tyre a temple dedicated to Hercules. The next thing for him to learn was how long ago it had been built. He therefore inquired of the priests how old the temple was. They replied that it had stood there ever since the building of the city, which was more than two thousand years. This would go back in time from the period when Herodotus went to Tyre, which was about 450 B.C., quite up to the era and birth of Nimrod, which was about 120 years after the flood. From this fact, Herodotus was convinced that Hercules was truly a Tyrian, or a Negro god, who was also the god of the Egyptians, the Ethiopians and Libyans, as well as of ancient Babylon, of which empire Nimrod was the founder, although it passed into other hands in process of time. We have said above that Nimrod, the grandson of Ham, 
was a negro and after his death became a negro god by deification after the manner of the ancients for herodotus expressly says volume one book two page two forty six that the colchines and egyptians who were all one with the tyrians zidonians ethiopians and libyans were black and had short curling hair if such men were not negroes of the true stamp we know not who are and also that they were the children of ham or they had no progenitors at all herodotus says that when he was in africa some men of cyrene told him that they had been as far into the interior as the temple of jupiter ammon that they had conversed with estarchus the king of ammonia who told them that the libyan race dwelling still further within the interior and west of ammonia and far west of egypt were all blacks this writer also says that the whole country south of jupiter ammon or the sheep god was inhabited by blacks the reader will not forget that all this country of libya was settled by foot the son of ham and was the remains of the libyan empire making it indubitably certain that the ancestors of the race ascending up to the first black man through every tribe and nation were of the same kind of people in support of the foregoing or rather in support of the doctrine of the three original complexions of the son of noah we give the following which is a tradition of the ancient marabouts or negro priests of africa this tradition says after the death of the great king who came through the waters when the sea overflowed the world that his three sons one of whom was white the other red and the third black agreed among themselves to divide the property which was left them by their father in an equal and equitable manner when they had assorted the goods the cattle the gold silver and precious stones they sat down to smoke a friendly pipe saying that next morning each one should take his own and depart where he pleased but the white brother slept only a short time when he arose seized upon all that was most valuable and disappeared a little while after the red brother awoke having the same design but finding that the white brother had gone and with him all that was most valuable he seized upon the residue and fled also leaving behind only a few ragged garments some pipes tobacco millet seed and rice in the morning when the sun was pretty well up the black brother having had his sleep to the full arose also and finding all was gone he became sad and sullen while he sat down to smoke one of the pipes this curious fact it seems has somehow spread very far into the world and been handed in a very extraordinary manner down through many ages for the very indians of america have a tradition of the same thing namely that the great spirit created three kinds of men 
with three distinct complexions who were the fathers of all the human race this tradition was brought to light by the following circumstance when the floridas were at first erected into a territory of the united states one of the earliest deeds of the governor william p duval was directed to the instruction and civilization of the natives for this purpose he called a meeting of the chiefs in which he informed them of the wish of their great father at washington that they should have schools and teachers among them and that their children should be instructed like the children of white men the chiefs listened with their customary silence and decorum to a long speech setting forth the advantages that would accrue to them from this measure and when he had concluded they begged the interval of a day to deliberate on it on the following day a solemn convocation was held at which one of the chiefs addressed the governor in the name of all the rest my brother said he we have been thinking over the proposition of our great father at washington to send teachers and set up schools among us we are very thankful for the interest he takes in our welfare but after much deliberation we have concluded to decline his offer what will do very well for white men will not do for red men i know you white men say we all come from the same father and mother but you are mistaken we have a tradition handed down from our forefathers and we believe it that the great spirit when he undertook to make men made a black man it was his first attempt and pretty well for a beginning but he soon saw he had bungled so he determined to try his hand again he did so and made the red man he liked him much better than the black man but still he was not exactly what he wanted so he tried once more and made the white man and then he was satisfied you see therefore that you were made last and that is the reason i call you my youngest brother now when the great spirit had made the three men he called them together and showed them three boxes the first box was filled with books and maps and papers the second with bows and arrows knives and tomahawks the third with spades axes hoes and hammers these my sons said he are the means by which you are to live choose among them according to your fancy the white man being the favorite had the first choice he passed by the box of working tools without notice but when he came to the weapons of war and hunting he stopped and looked hard at them the red man trembled for he had set his heart upon that box the white man however after looking upon it for a moment passed on and chose the box of books and papers the red man's turn came next and you may be sure he seized with joy upon the bows and arrows and tomahawks as to the black man he had no choice left but to put up with the box of tools from this it is clear that the great spirit intended the white man should learn to read and white 
to understand all about the moon and stars and to make everything even rum and whiskey that the red man should be a first-rate hunter and a mighty warrior but he was not to learn anything from books as the great spirit had not given him any nor was he to make whiskey nor rum lest he should kill himself with drinking as to the black man as he had nothing but working tools it was clear he was to work for the white and red man which he has ever continued to do but still further in agreement with the opinion of there having been in the outset of time after the flood three different human complexions among men we learn that there has been discovered within a few years by a traveller some very curious paintings in the subterranean chambers of the dead beneath the ruins of one of the ancient cities of egypt these paintings were found executed on the walls of the royal sepulchres and delineated three races of men distinguished by their complexions their forms and the signs of their grades in society as to their complexions they were white red and black the white men were placed in such attitudes as denoted them to have been legislators or lawgivers the red men as warriors with the instruments of war and slaughter in their hands the black men as servants or slaves with the tools of husbandry in their grasp these paintings were so curiously and perfectly executed that at the time of their late discovery they were as bright and vivid as if but newly painted herna's historical researches in africa volume two page ninety thus we have as we believe made out that the negro race were known as they are now known to have been black with woolly heads too near the time of the flood to admit of the operation of climates to have done so strange a work as to have changed mankind from some other hue to that of black and therefore shows that they were thus created as before argued we shall therefore close this section and pass to other matters which concern the fortunes of the children of ham what god has done remains steadfast and true nature leaps not its bounds to products new but always is the same without a change in men or trees through nature's mighty range what though a bear is white in arctic snows and black in warmer climes where blooms the rose yet tis a bear in nature shape and gait and cannot be a fox at any rate End of section 4